Welcome to the Basketball Champions League Coast to Coast podcast with you from Regensburg, Germany. I am David Hine. With me this time around is Deacon Lloyd Smith. Uh, Deacon, uh, how you doing? Doing very well, Dave. Had a had a nice Christmas break. Um, it's good to good to be looking forward to getting back into some games. How about yourself? Yes, um, we actually have to say Happy New Year as well because this podcast is actually being recorded before the end of the of is still being recorded in 2020, but will come out 2021. So um, Happy New Year! Hopefully, a a, a wonderful, positive, uh, healthy 2021. Yeah, things are going good. Um, uh, thoughts uh, and 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 you know prayers, concerns, what have you, uh, out to the people in Croatia, which has had an impact then on on Igor Djurkovic, which is the reason why um, we have uh, we have the 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 um, the fill in, if you will, uh, Deacon uh, stepping in. Uh, obviously, listeners of the sh- of the show over the last couple of seasons uh, know Deacon. Um, I guess uh, let's start off as we do every every week, kind of uh, running down what's what's happened. Uh, the the team of the month was was announced for December, and we had Kyle Allman of, of Favriga, uh, then uh, D'Angelo Harrison from Happy Casa Brindisi, Sam Decker from Turk Telecom Ankara, Ivan uh, Bruinsma from Falco Sympathy, and uh, David Kravish from uh, Broza Bamberg. And the MVP really um, uh, is not a surprise. Uh, Kyle Allman, uh, you know, we've been we've been gushing over him all season. Just has been so much fun to uh, to uh, to watch and uh, really develop and and really put his name out there. Um, and actually, having Deacon on uh, really is is probably perfect uh, for this um, because he. Took a closer look at Favriga uh, on the piece that came out uh, a couple weeks ago on the website. So, uh, Deacon, why don't you uh, run down a little bit maybe about what that piece was and and what your thoughts are about a guy who we've had on the show and uh, and Kyle Allman, who's really uh, taken a huge step forward in his first season uh, on the European uh, um, continental competition uh, stage. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the article itself was um, a really fun conversation with with the coach Yanis Galitis. I hope my pronunciation isn't too brutal there. Um, who's one of the youngest coaches we have in in the BCL this year? Um, interestingly enough, two the two of the younger coaches are in the same group with um, with Strasbourg as well. But um, uh, you know, on the surface of it, that's a team that is really overperforming. Um, to expectations and to what to where the, the the team was last year, they're playing some really fun basketball. They're playing um, they play fast and they've got young guys that get up and down and they've got Latvian players in in prominent roles as well too. So it's um, almost like your your archetypal BCL underdog team that um, that either always gets close to making playoffs or makes playoffs or you know just comes in and um opens people's eyes to different players and different coaches and and um and kind of fits that that mold and they they have been a lot of fun and they have they have been really a group of players that isn't deep in numbers but maximizing what they do have so you know you talk about Kyle Orman there he's a great example so he was a rookie last year during 
all the chaos that was last season. Um, he was a rookie in Greece um, and had a decent year, but maybe not as efficient as what he's doing this year with Beth Regan. Seems to have really found a nice fit and a great groove in that team. I think interestingly for, for Allman is that this year he's playing as a point guard. So last year in Greece, he would have been mostly playing at the two guard as a scorer. And I wonder if if many of the people watching him in Greece knew that he had it um, in his locker to to be a creator and to be a primary playmaker for a team. And he's doing a great job, I think. The reason he's MVP of the month is not the, the 20 points, but the nine assists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really making life very easy for Kaiser and Madsen and um, Pinheiro, just laying easy buckets on a, on a plate, usually dunks or lobs because he's able to create advantage and and um, make things easy for everybody. And he, and obviously there's the scoring and the highlight plays, so he, he's great fun to watch. Um, and then as you, as I mentioned, that you know they've got Latvian guys. Skele has come back from an injury, and that's a really interesting story and great to see him playing at the level he is. And Zorix is um, a first-year pro. He's a, he's a rookie, and he's shooting 50-40-90. Um, and every time it, the ball comes out of his hands, it looks like it's going in. So they're a really fun story and a really fun team to watch. Um, you know, the the offense that that Gelitis is running is also right there. If you're um, if you're a, a hoops nerd, go and study the way they play. It's great to watch. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed putting that article together and um, taking a closer look. And um, anything the readers fans uh can look forward to uh from you then in the in the coming weeks yeah um in the next day or two um i have a a feature with three of the general managers from championship teams so we have ike um george hines and um burgos and, and tenerife um uh interviews with those guys just talking how they got to the role they're in as general managers um what their backgrounds are in the game, anything they think that's really important to them as a in terms of their skill set with the role and how they went about building championship teams and if there's anything that was different about those championship teams to to to, to look to repeat in other teams. It's really interesting conversations with all three. Um, and it was a topic that I really wanted to visit for a long time and never actually managed to make it happen. So um, yeah, I was re- really fortunate to speak with all three and. Hopefully that's going to be an interesting feature. Uh, looking forward to that because, uh, and, and also I, uh, and I know there's a lot of people out there that that dream of, of becoming a general manager, so general manager. So I'm sure that uh, uh, that insight is going to be pretty uh, pretty interesting for for those people as well. Um, I find, sorry, just on that point, sure, I find sure. That, you know, I, you uh, you guys have had a general manager on the podcast already this year, and I find um it maybe in the NBA it's a much more common commonly spoken about role and a much more prominent role but maybe not so much in the BCR I don't know if um the 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 work that these guys are doing is is um as publicized so it's it's great to it might hopefully it's interesting just to see that perspective that you don't get to see very often for sure I I know I can't wait I I enjoy I enjoy uh, all your pieces. They are a bit on the on the longer side, which I don't mind. Um, but uh, uh, you know, you you go so deep into things, so it's 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 always great. Um, 
before we go into a short uh, review of 2020 and then a kind of a look forward to 2021, just to let you know, uh, the interview we have this week is with CJ Harris of Hapo Halon. So uh, we'll we'll get to that in uh, in a few minutes. But before that, uh, we're gonna take a, a a trip down memory lane, I guess, of of the calendar year 2020. And um, so uh, we both came up with three. Uh, sort of fav- favorite memories, I guess, if you will. And um, I guess since you're since you're uh, since you're the uh, the guest uh, uh, as well, I'll let you I'll let you start. Um, so starting from the start, I guess um, I have Bonzi Colson's game winner, um, and just that the craziness of that closing sequence and the fact that it was game day one. You know, it was the first game for both teams, and just such a typical BCL start to the season. It's and the fact that it was Jeff Taylor on, yeah, on exactly. the mic I was just gonna say it. <laughs> it, it's it, it's almost like a yearly tradition now that you have Jeff on a game and we have utter lunacy to, to close the game out. Um you know Stras uh got up to something like twelve seconds on the clock. Foul sent Strasbourg to the free throw line. Mm. The plan works to perfection and Strasbourg missed the second free throw all I need to do is rebound it, and somehow Bonzi Colson gets one of those very long arms that he has where where Riga don't need him to be, and he pulls the rebound, and then somehow it finds the, the ball finds its way back to him. He's very well defended with a with you know what Michael Kaiser, I think he's six eleven, something like that. Stretch, arm stretched, and he's made the shot over the top of it, and it was just. You couldn't find a more BCL way to start the season, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and then also you had them coming back from the 15-point lead uh, from Favriga, you know, where they gave him a nice big punch in the face. So, that's, you know, it's always great to, to see that the team comes back. Uh, I, I'm going to start with um, just the BCL Final Eight being played. Um, you know, we had had the German League come back and do their their final tournament. Spain had done theirs. You know, Israel um, had had uh, you know gotten uh, their sort of end of season, and just to have the season come to an end, to have basketball, um, to 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 finish off the season, and okay, you know, almost all the teams had you know pretty significant changes, um, but just to give that 2019 season. Uh, a champion to close it off, um, uh, you know, to to hand out the prize money, and uh, and just you know say you know just the relief of having you know continental basketball again and that aha moment ah we got it again you know no, with no idea what the next season what the twenty 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 one season would look like at all but at least we gave that you know we got that that, that so that's that just no specific memory just the fact that that came back that would be my 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 first one so it's 100 percent, and also the fact that it adds context to that we have a champion this season yeah. we have a defending champion and some teams that you know, I got to the final four, hosted it, and probably feel like they have some unfinished business with so many of the same guys in the squad. So, yeah. Okay, your second one. I have another another game, um, and that was um, Tofas JDA Dijon. Okay. Uh, and another comeback with with Dijon coming back, and um, that play, in fact, um, the 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 play for the the David Holston three. 
Oh yeah, that, a, there's a, oh yeah, of course. I mean, you could you could probably do a top three of David Holson moments of 2020. <laughs> the, you, probably so. you probably could. So I, I felt like you had to have at least one because yeah, it, yeah. it's just if the, if the Strasbourg game is a classic BCL game, that game was a classic David Holston game and a classic David Holston moment. He, he's just one of those players that once it's dramatic enough, you, you almost know what's coming, and the, no matter no matter how much you know what's coming. It's still coming and it still happens. And it's still crazy that it happens. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going way back. I'm going back to January 15th at the Anvil Hapo Jerusalem game. Uh, just to give some dynamics, uh, Group B, Hapo Jerusalem was seven and three. Then you had Burgos at six and four, Fechte and Anvil at five and five, and then Van Dirma at four and six. Um, and it ended up being, uh, a 107, 102 victory for Halone. It was in Anvil, obviously crazy fans. And you had just great players, Roten, Lado, uh, Jones. Um, you had four guys for, uh, Hapo Jerusalem scored 20 points. Jacobin Brown almost had, you know, was, was flirting with the, the triple double 21, six, uh, 21, six and 10. Uh, Hapo Jerusalem, 53% on three pointers. Nine points was the biggest lead of the game. It went back and forth. Um, and it deflated Anvil. They, they lost their last, um, they lost their last, uh, five games, finished five and nine. Um, so, but just all of those, you know, just massive dunks and, and, and bringing the crowd into that, you know, that great crowd into that really just a mammoth game. Um, that just, even though it was way back in January, that's still really, um, that, you know, just really was a, was a, was a special moment for me. The Anvil team was such a nearly their team. It was mm. such a good team. And just, yeah, that was a great game. All right. Number three for you. Uh, last one for me is the very last one of the of the year. You couldn't, um, and imagine maybe you have a similar moment, which was Jacobin Brown's comeback. So um, he didn't play the final four, final eight, sorry, in um in Athens because of the injury, because of his ankle injury, and we hadn't seen him. Jerusalem um, have him as their club captain. They kept him on. He's very important to the team, and you see that in his comeback um, on the Christmas Eve game. And just to cap it off, just to make it the story that it was, he, he goes down with an injury, looks like he dislocates his right shoulder or his left shoulder, um, goes to the locker room. You think he's not coming back. And, um, and then he comes back out for the second half, I think. Uh, and <laughs> he's playing and he can hardly catch the ball without win wincing and grimacing. Uh, and somehow he's making plays on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, there's one time when you're thinking, get a hand up on the shot, but he can't because he can't put his hand up. And he just, the kind of Christmas heroics of it, you know, I think uh, I think that the the digital guys put out a great tweet referencing um, Beckenbauer, but it also reminded me of Die Hard, you know, it's like a, a John McClane moment. Yeah, I well, mean, so. we, we talked about that uh, on last week's show, you know, I mean, even him just raising his hand to say that the foul was on him hurt, hurt, you know, and you just, <laughs> you know, um, I kind of wish I had a David, David Holston, but you got it in there. So I'm okay. And, and my last one was 
the really the mind blowing goes back to the to to last season, uh, to the 2019-20 season, was the mind blowing fire sale at Ben Dirma. Um, they they got rid of you know they were they got to the round of sixteen in that really tough group, you know where even Fechter was playing great and you know at Burgos and you know Anvil didn't make it. Ben Dirma made it to the round of sixteen and then they fire sailed it, and then you know they got rid of Hummer, they got rid of G- uh, uh, Emmanuel Terry, they got rid of Jamie Smith. In the round of sixteen, Omar Pruitt and um, and Kalinsky they didn't play. Because they were trying to, you know, they, they wanted to protect them from, from injuries so that they could maybe sell those guys off. And so you had all these kids um, playing for Bandirma in the round of 16. You had, you know, you had Hazard. Okay, Hazard, in that regard, almost isn't a kid anymore. You had Hatali, you had Kabacha, you had uh, Sengun and stuff. And just as, as much as we, I, I know I did, I really enjoyed that. Ben Dirma team, you know, especially Terry, but also Hummer had come over and Jamie Smith. And, you know, they changed that team up as well. And that was, a you know, this fun, exciting team. And then they go fire sale it. And then all the kids come and have to play against, you know, this 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 huge rolling rock that is uh, Nimbrook in the round of 16. So that whole fire sale dynamic of it just was what blew my mind and and. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have them back this year, um, but, uh, you know, it, that, that just was really just was so crazy for me. Absolutely. Very, very um, unfortunate story. I feel like Bandema and Bandit, as they were before, mm-hmm. were one of the givers of, of, of European basketball in terms of providing talent. You know, Hazards, all of those young players have gone off to be playing important roles almost in, in teams in um in Turkey. So they, it's a real shame that the club's not what it was and where it was. Yeah, uh, they were a regular. Um, so, all right, uh, New Year's resolutions. Um, uh, I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll start this time. Uh, I'm going to go uh, to Galatasaray and I'm going to say that uh, their players are going to say, you know, I'm going to do a better job of rema- remembering my teammates' names. Um, this kind of goes on the, the fact that, uh, that, that Galatasaray, uh, made massive changes this, uh, this past week and, uh, brought in, uh, three, three, uh, import players. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, we'll talk more about the, their game this, this, uh, this, this upcoming week, but just the fact that there's so much change there. And I think it's, um, it's going to be tough for for them to kind of uh, uh, maybe even remember who who's there, who's not there, um, and uh, also to know what these guys do. Um, so, New Year's resolution, uh, go for it. I'm staying in Turkey, um, and I've got all of the Turkish teams as a as a New Year's resolution, um, except Tofas. In that, um, Tofas is the only team in the BCL at the moment that. Um, that is above average in terms of defensive rating. All of the other teams are, are struggling defensively. Um, and I guess Turk Telecom as well, they, 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 uh, they lead their group. So offense is carrying them through. So I just, I think for the Turkish teams, the fact that only one of them is currently sitting in a position to qualify, you just want to see more from, from those, those clubs because there's some really big, um, really well-established and great clubs. So hopefully we see more from those guys. 
Yeah, uh, and a couple of teams also in some some dangerous situations. My second one is for Fevriga to just keep playing how they are. Um, you know, we've been doing. I, you know, obviously, you know, we we've been gushing about them uh, almost the entire season. Um, just keep going. The rest of Europe uh, that hasn't figured out that your guys that you guys are amazingly fun to watch, they will um, because we're just going to keep pumping it out there. So just keep doing it. Don't go try to change too much and say, you know, we want to get more fancy, whatever. Just keep doing your thing and and we will continue to love you and, and the rest of Europe will definitely catch up. So just keep, you know, for Fevriga, don't change a thing. Just keep going. And so I, I have the same one and my, mine is keep the gang together. Mm. You know, you have um, uh, that, that, that that's for that. later in 2021 and that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, you got some jealous eyes looking at that the, the squad they've put together. Just keep them together, just yeah. for this season. Mm. You know, yeah, heck, even for the season. That's true. That's true. Yeah, because there's um, my my third one, um, and and this is a this is a you know, uh, I, so I in, in addition to the podcast, I also do the biweekly uh, uh, homegrown where I look at the the youth players and um, uh, the the New Year's resolution is you know clubs you know play you know go ahead and play younger players you know it, it's it's also long term also to your benefit to have them uh earn minutes in a in a in a in in such a strong competition uh you know we've seen it you know we just kind of talked about that with uh, ben dirma those kids were playing uh even before the fire sale um and um but there was a there was a there was a, a acceptance a, a willingness to play them I know with the 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 drastic uh, reduction in number of games, which also means the reduction of minutes um, to be spaced out over those games. Uh, that means every game, every minute, every point counts that much more. Um, so I know it's it's hard to you know get, overcome that uh, that you know that you know pressure of having to win. Um, for the development of young basketball players, uh, I just hope that they, that's, you know, some of them, you know, okay, there's going to be a couple games now where, where teams are sort of eliminated there. You might see more guys play or they're already through, then you might see more guys play, but, uh, I just would like to see more, uh, young players play. So what's your third one? Okay. So this is one that, um, I saved from the moments of, of, 2020 because i wanted to put this in the in the in the, the new year's resolutions which is for halon you know um halon are playing some really nice on the eye basketball they're, they're really great to watch you know you, we've had cj harris on the interview um and they were so close last year so close to making the playoffs i think that last game against liet kabalis mm-hmm. um valinska's free throws right there with one second left to go and Liet Kabbalist made the playoffs. Um, so I think Halon, let's, let's go with a, a kind of twofold New Year's resolution, which is to make the playoffs and to do it, take some more shots. At the moment, they, they take the least shots per game. They take 56 field goal attempts per game. It's the lowest in the, in the BCL, which is, surprising considering they're, they're about league average or above for offense so um in terms of efficiency so 
let's see, let's let's push the tempo a bit and take some more shots and let's make the playoffs because Holland is a fun team to watch. And whilst remaining impartial to the other teams in that group, um, let's see if Holland can finally make it. Uh, the king of the of the segue, I guess, is what uh, maybe we should uh, call you. Um, let's uh, move right into our interview. Then uh, we talked to C.J. Harris uh, of Hapo Halon, uh, where he also talks about uh, about that uh, offense that they play. So uh, why don't uh, you just enjoy this one, and we'll catch you on the other side. All right. So on the show this week, we have C.J. Harris from Hapo Halon. Uh, C.J., thanks for coming on the show. Hope you had a uh, a nice Christmas out here in in Europe, you're in, in Israel, so um, I guess belated uh, Merry Christmas. I appreciate that, man. Great Christmas. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so we we wanted to have you on uh, this week because we go back and, and, and look at your Holon's uh, last game, and you guys uh, knocked off Smoky Minsk uh, 75-71 to, to move to a 2-2 two two record. If you look at the game, there's the positive of of getting the road win in in Belarus, but at the same time, there's the negative of of not able to to get the tiebreak um, as they had won by by ten points uh, in in is in in mid November. Um, and uh, so so when you go back and look at those games, obviously there was a quite a bit of time in between as well. How do you go back and mm-hmm. and look at those two games? Um. Uh, the first game was a tough game for us against Minsk. Uh, we're kind of shorthanded, um, but uh, we gave it all we had. We came up short. We were happy that we got it within 10 because we thought it could have been uh, much worse. I mean, they were up 20 points at, at one time. So it was a moral victory in that game that we were able to cut it to 10. Um, and at Minsk, we really just wanted to get the win. And if at the end of the game we could – try to get that point difference, we were going to try to get it, but we wanted to make sure we got the win because if we didn't, then our hopes of going to the next round were pretty much finished. But um, getting the win, that assured us that we still had a chance to, to move on if we took care of the uh, our next two games in, in the in the group. Let's go back to the first game of the season. Um, you guys... You saw Keith Langford really in, in sort of his best Keith Langford mode. Um, you know, he mm-hmm. had the three threes in the final three minutes, scored 30, 30 points. Um, it was a 100 to 96 loss um, against Ike, obviously, um, uh, in Athens. Uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe just how hard is it to defend him, Keith Langford, when he's really on like he can be? Uh I mean, when he's really on, there's really not much you can do. You can um, hopefully put him in tough situations to make tough shots. Um, maybe send one or two guys extra at him to defend him. But um, guys that are that good offensively, and when they get going, it's really tough to to stop them. So um, we just have to try to uh, uh, slow him down earlier, just make everything tough for him, and. Uh, Unfortunately, that game he got high and we couldn't do much with him. Yeah, um, I think he had. I think it was something like twelve or sixteen or something like that from even inside too. He didn't yeah. even really hurt you guys as much, quote as much from outside. Um, after that close loss uh, in Athens, you guys 
beat Cholet by by ten points. You you know you never trailed in the game. Um, maybe just uh, reflections on that game. So that was the second game of the season. Your guys' first first victory. Um, how do you go back and and look at, at that game? Uh, I mean that was a important game coming off losing to Ike. Uh, we definitely had to get that one at home. Um, we prepared all week, uh, watch film. Um, and we basically just uh, controlled the game from start to finish, and that's something that we prepare for uh, up to that game. Let's go back a little bit. Uh, how and when did basketball find you? How and when? Wow, we're going back, back. Uh, <laughs> I was maybe nine, eight or nine, and my dad put the basketball in my hands and um, got a goal in my my driveway, and that's 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 how it started. Um, you're from Winston Salem, North Carolina, and uh, there's actually quite a few pretty pretty good sized names from there: Josh Howard, Chris Paul, mm -hmm. Ricky Hickman, Othello Hunter. Mm -hmm. uh, BCL fans will remember Javante Reddick from from Falco Sympathy as yeah. well. It's also um, Winston Salem, home to Wake Forest, and obviously that has produced some NBA guys: Rodney Rogers, Muggsy Bogues, Tim Duncan, obviously Howard and Paul. Uh, we like to ask. Uh, the players that come on the show, what basketball was like. We'll get to Tobacco Road kind of in a, in a second, um, but maybe what was it like growing up uh, playing um, in in sort of Winston-Salem there? Oh, that was everything. I mean, it was one of the main reasons I went to Wake Forest was because it was my hometown. and uh, I grew up watching those guys before me play and all my family, my friends could come watch me play. So playing at Wake Forest and playing at home was, I mean, it was a dream come true for me. And and Wake Forest, um, you know, like I said, that is part of uh, Tobacco Road where you have North Carolina, mm -hmm. NC State, Duke, really all within within 25 miles. You know, with all of the great players that have, that have gone through all four of those uh, institutions, mm -hmm. what was it like growing up in that area? It was amazing. I mean, if you're a basketball fan, you, you had great players and great teams to watch every year. I mean, uh, growing up, I was always watching Jason Williams at Duke. I was always watching Joe Forte at North Carolina, uh, Chris Paul at Wake. There were so many guys that came up through that, through that tobacco road that, um, I mean, North Carolina is known for, known for his basketball and it has a rich history. So, um, yeah, it was amazing. Did you, you're from Winston Salem and obviously, um, Wake Forest is in Winston Salem, but did you have a favorite mm -hmm. team? Uh, I, I like Duke was my favorite team growing up. Okay. I mean, I always watched them. Uh, like I said, Jason Williams was one of my favorites. Uh, love watching JJ Reddick and all those guys. And, um, I mean, Wake Forest fans probably be mad if they hear all that now, but. Uh, slowly converted to being a Wake Forest fan as I grew older. Yeah, you you just mentioned it. I mean, so Wake Forest fans. What about friends? Um, I mean, did were were friendships? I'm not going to say you know did friendships fall apart necessarily, but was it was there friendships that were strained because you know one guy was a Wolfpack fan, the other one was a Tar Heel fan or Blue Devils fan? <laughs> no, I don't, it, it doesn't necessarily go that far, but you do get a lot of trash talking and. Uh, stuff like that when your team loses to another team. But 
uh, it all comes down to fun, competitive nature. Yeah. Um, you had, you had four years, um, of, you know, being around those guys also probably off season, um, or breaks even whatever. Um, mm -hmm. and just maybe, you know, so many great players that also play, you know, in that conference, maybe just some of your favorite battles and Wake Forest, unfortunately for you, for you, you know, didn't have a lot of success while you were there, but maybe just, you know, who were some of your favorite battles that you went, uh, went against, uh, in your time at Wake Forest? Oh man, that's tough. So many, so many players. Um, you put me on the spot here. Just give me one. Uh, I had, I had favorite a, I had a favorite lot, player against Duke or, against, or Carolina. Or I whatever. had a lot of battles against uh, Eric Green. He was at Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. um, he's a household name over here in Europe. Um, Seth Curry at Duke. We used to go go at it. Joe Harris from UVA. Uh, we had some good battles. Uh, yeah, those are some off the top that I can remember. Like you said, there's so many great ones that uh, I'm sure after we get done with this conversation, it'll be like, oh man, I played against that. It was a great game, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and then your first season out of college basketball, your first season as a professional, you, you went to Ludwigsburg in, in Germany, 2013-14. And two of your teammates were Kobe Carl and Mike Stockton, yeah. who were sons of legendary NBA figures, George Carl, then the coach and John Stockton. Um, those must have been some pretty fun basketball conversation with those two guys as a rookie. And, and, and I know both of those guys, I think Carl's uh, dad was not there as much, but I know John Stockton also came around a little bit. That just must've been a pretty crazy um, experience for you as a rookie too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just seeing them, cause they both came out for a little bit. Just seeing them was, was awesome. Cause they're such big figures in basketball. Um, I didn't get to pick their brains as much as I wanted to, but uh, they were there supporting us. Uh, it was just cool seeing them in the gym, and just gave you a little extra motivation to play well when they were when they were watching the games. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, and then the next season, you stayed in Germany, and you were at Ulm. You played uh, along. You played with uh, Will Clyburn. Obviously, he's become a household name, a star in Europe. Won the Euroleague with with uh, Cisco Moscow. And then these two games against uh, Smokey Minsk, you played against his younger brother Chris. Um, right. Maybe just talk about the relationship with the with the Clyburn family, I guess. Uh, yeah, playing with Will over at home was great. Uh, he's a great dude, great player. Uh, obviously, Halone fans know him because he had an amazing year here as well. And uh, it was it was funny playing against his brother because they have kind of the same mannerism. Uh, they like dribble the same and uh, attack the basket the same. Just one's right-handed and one's left-handed. So uh, I think uh, Chris has a, a great chance to be just as good as his brother if he keeps working and, and, and follow his brother's footsteps. So. And that, that second season with uh, where you, when you were at Ulm, you actually finished, finished the season with Fef Riga. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and played with Robert Lowry of Smokey Minsk, um, who you just played uh, against along with uh, along with Chris Clyburn. Maybe you know making those two games that much more fun. That must have been fun going against uh, against uh, Lowry as well. No. Yeah, that was uh, it's always fun going against your old teammates and, and your friends. Uh, it makes you go a little bit harder, a little more trash talk, and um, 
it was good seeing him. I hadn't seen him since since we played at Beth together. So, uh, and we won a championship over at Beth together. So, it was it was good to get back on the court and play against him. You mentioned it. Um, that actually kind of started a run of winning for you. Uh, you won the Latvian League with Fefriga and then the Polish Cup, um, and uh, also reached the Polish Polish finals, and then won the Turkish second division with Boyukseri. Um, maybe what, uh, why, how did the move go about going from Poland to the second division in, in Turkey? Uh, the move was, uh, I know the Turkish market is a really good market. Um, it was an opportunity to go there and help a, a organization move up to the first division. And that was really the main goal of going to that team. Um, it wasn't going to be a successful year if we didn't win the championship and move up to the next division. And uh, they put a team together specifically for that, and we were fortunate enough to do that. And um, I ended up signing back again for the next year when they went up to the first division. Yeah, and and um, you actually got to play with Mustafa Fall, who BCL fans mm -hmm. uh, saw last season with Turk Telecom. The guy's just massive, obviously seven one, um, and yeah. you know basically as automatic as they come around the basket. I mean, you look at and even seventy percent shooting percentage is, is low for him. Um, you know, w what's it like playing with a guy like him? Oh, I mean, he changes the game. He's such a force. Like you said, he's he's massive. So defensively, he he bothers everything, and uh, you know if you're you're pressuring the ball. You can be extra aggressive on defense because you know you got fall behind you um, to back you up. So, like I say, he changes the game offensively and defensively. And, um, uh, yeah, he's an amazing teammate. And then uh, after, so after playing in, in, Germ in Germany, Latvia, Poland, and Turkey's second division in that 17-18 season, you played in the Turkish BSL. Mm -hmm. There's some great Turkish crowds, uh, uh, Turk, Turkish uh, f uh, crowds in, in Turkish basketball. Um, obviously, you experienced uh, Tobacco Road and, 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 and Durham, North Carolina, and, and, and obviously other, other places as well. Um, was wondering what were some of your favorite atmospheres so far? I mean, you could even also, you know, if, uh, if there was anything from France uh, in the 18-19 season, you know, maybe some of your favorite basketball atmospheres here in Europe. Uh, favorite ones I've been a part of would have to be um, Povas versus Limoges. It's a great rivalry in France. Um, each game that we play the whole week up to it is like a build-up. Oh, cool. And then, you know, they, they talk about it, but, and there's such a big history about it. And uh, those games are always fun. Um, for Sakaria, when I was in Turkey, I mean, every – big team we play if it was against Fenerbahce or Besitas or FS or any of those teams, uh, those fans were coming in deep and they were loud. and um, That was always good fun as well. So those are the ones I remember the most. Um, and I've heard, I've heard sorry, uh, all about, I've heard all about the alum <laughs> fans, but unfortunately this year uh, can't have fans. So I don't get to experience that. Yeah. We'll come to that in a, in a couple of minutes. Um, in January, uh, 2020, you, you joined Turk Telecom Ankara and, uh, played the final two games of the regular season. And, um, 
you know, when we go back and, and look at that team, um, you know, if if COVID didn't hit, you know, you had the likes of Wiltshire, Fall, Johnson, you know, some people, you know, thought they had a really great chance of, of winning the whole thing. Uh, maybe what was it like being with that team? You weren't you weren't with them that long, um, and and was that probably one of the best teams you've played with at, at by this point of your career? Uh, yeah, I would have to say so. Yeah, we had such a good group of guys that uh, were experienced. They've been in the NBA. They've been places in Europe, and it was just a, a tight team. It wasn't one player that could score twenty. It was whole team somebody could score 20 any night and uh, they're good offensively defensively and like you said they could they were definitely one of the favorites to to win it all if everything didn't uh end because of COVID so uh it was a great experience to be out there um I wasn't there long but they welcomed me and I I felt like I set right in once I got there and what were some of the key factors in you joining Halone for this season then? Uh, key factors was one, uh, playing in Champions League. Uh, they had aspirations of, of moving on to the next round and to the playoffs. I don't think they have before. I don't know if I'm wrong about that or not. But um, also it was an opportunity to come and uh, develop my game and um, try to get better and and that's what I'm trying to do. As part of the podcast, we like to have our our BCL, BCL fans uh, give them the opportunity to ask questions to our uh, interview partners. So Tomer.me has uh, on Instagram um, says, "Tell us a story about Panini." <laughs> Tell us a story about Panini. Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, I don't really have any specific stories. I mean, Panini's just—he's the guy for the team. Um, we, when he hits a big shot at the end of the game, uh, Yogi, everybody on the bench, they get up and say it's Panini time because he's so big at making big shots. And we know maybe the next possession he might hit another three or something like that. So uh, I could say Panini time is something I could tell people because um, he's so clutch at the end of the game. Roy Lo- Roy Lofer um, says, "How difficult is it for you to play in Halone without seeing their fans?" Obviously, a lot of questions uh, about yeah. about the Halone fans. So maybe just how difficult is it for you um, to to really not see the fans that obviously this club has uh, really uh, established a name for having. Yeah, it's tough because um, as a player, you can tell how much passion and how much they love alone even though they're not there um they're always outside of our gym rooting up rooting for us when we're going to the games they they're sending nice messages encouraging messages on social media and stuff like that so it's tough for them not to be there but um we definitely think about them before the games and we want to win uh for them uh stelios underscore hatsi uh, says, do you like the life in Israel? Obviously, um, you're experiencing an Israel that you know nobody before has. You know, um, just with uh, with uh, lockdown and 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 everything else. But um, the the bit of of life that you have been able to experience, how do you like the life in Israel? Uh, it's great. 
It's also one of the reasons why I came here because I heard the life was so nice. The weather's amazing. The beach is 10 minutes away. Um, unfortunately, like you said, it's, like it's going into our third lockdown. So I've only been able to experience maybe a couple weeks of freedom, if you want to call it that. And uh, everything I have experienced has been amazing. So uh, I got no complaints about that. And last question from BCL fans, John. Uh, John Dot Ernst has said, "How many hours a day did you work on your game growing up?" Ooh, uh, a lot of hours. Uh, when I was younger, it wasn't so much. But once I got to high school and, and college, I was uh, at least putting that extra hour to two to my game, and that's after practice or before practice. Um, either shooting, dribbling, uh, lifting extra weights or something like that. So um, at least an hour or two extra on top of practice. You graduated at Wake Forest in uh, 2013 with a degree in communication, a minor in entrepreneurship and social enterprise. Um, thoughts about using that uh, communications major? I mean, nowadays people, uh, you know, athletes can, can sort of, you know, be their own media brand, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe your, your thoughts about uh, the things you learned back in college and with a communication major and how you might want to use them later or even now. Uh, I mean, it's always been in the back of my mind. Um, I haven't thought too deeply about it, uh, but if that opportunity came, I would definitely give it a uh, give it a thought. Maybe uh, doing something with media or doing something with broadcasting or something like that. I, I feel like it'd be cool. Uh, but uh, right now, just focus on basketball. Enough, enough of that one, right? <laughs> enough doing <Yeah. laughs> to focus on that. Did I yeah. did I see correctly that you're a sneakerhead? I, I uh, yeah, you can say that. I do love sneakers. Um, maybe your favorite pair that you own and why? Favorite pair I own would have to be the retro Jordan ones, the black and reds, and I mean it's just an iconic shoe. Uh, the first Jordan Jordan shoe, and uh, and it's by far my favorite. How long have you had that? Those? Since 2009, maybe. Uh -huh. 2010. Yeah, they're old. Money's no concern. What do you get and why? If money is no concern, uh, I would buy a bunch of rental properties so I could have more money <laughs> and I could invest into uh, some more real estate. That's probably what I would do. And shoes? Yeah. Do you have any 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 iconic ones that you want that just like man? I can't. I really can't afford that. Ooh, shoes. Uh, maybe the the Marty McFly's. You know those from Back to the Future. Okay, really. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like they're, they're like there's twenty grand I think now or something like that, but. Maybe I'll get those just to have them. Mar shoes. Marty McFly, uh, did I see correctly? You're a movies movies fan as well. Yeah, I love movies. Big Marvel fan. Marvel fan. Okay. Um, maybe some of your favorites, and 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 also, you know, how you're dealing with not going to movies. Probably. I mean, suppose you probably uh, even even in all of these uh, cities, you know, you're still going to movies uh, when you had some time off. No. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, movies is one of my favorite things to do. Just going to movies, chilling out, having snacks at the movies. Um, so it sucks not being able to do that. Um, favorite Marvel character would have to be Iron Man. I just love how he carries himself and how he acts and how he, uh, is everything about him. I love, I love about Iron Man. So, um, hopefully movies and everything will open back up so we can start enjoying some entertainment and some movies soon. Let's let's get back to basketball. Igor Jerkovic, uh, the co-host here of the podcast, always calls Halone the Houston Rockets of the BCL uh, because of that five-out offense you guys play. Um, what's it like playing that? And 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 maybe how much different is it than anything else you've played before? Uh, it's not your typical European style of basketball, I would say, but um, it has its certain components from. Uh, European basketball, but it's just basically a lot of freedom, a lot of open, try to uh, open the court and uh, use each other's abilities to our best of our advantage. We have shooters, so we want to space the court. We want to drive. We want to kick. We want to play fast sometimes, but we have the capacity to play slow. And um, when we combine our, our explosive offense with good defense, that's when we're really good. And the biggest challenge of playing that way? Uh, biggest challenge is, I mean, sometimes you can uh, get a little stagnant. You can um, not move the ball as, as, as much as you should, but um, we've done a good job of keeping that balance, which is which is good for us. Next game is against Ike um, on, mm-hmm. on January 5th. It's in Israel most likely um, or already probably definitely won't have fans. Um, you guys only lost by four points, so there is the possibility of getting a tiebreaker, which is also something that Cholet was able to do uh, with with them as well. Maybe talk about the confidence going into into that game. Uh, we have a, a lot of confidence going into that game right now. Uh, we know of, we the ball is in our court, just so to say. Um so if we come in, take care of business, we've been playing well the past month or so. We got maybe nine out of ten wins this past month. So um, we're heading in the right direction, and we just want to keep going. All right, last last one. Uh, finish the sentence. Hapo um, Halon will reach the playoffs because? Because we're a good team, and we work hard to, to get there. All right, fantastic. Uh, CJ Harris from Hopon Halon, uh, thanks a lot. Um, and uh, as they say here in Germany, have a good slide into 2021. Um, and uh, good luck then in that uh, in the rest of the the regular season. And uh, we'll we'll talk to each other down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. This Halon team has been really fun to watch. Uh, thanks to. Uh, CJ for for taking the time out and also thank you to thank you to all of the fans uh, who submitted questions uh, through Instagram. Uh, those are greatly appreciated and also uh, f- um, fun to to ask. Um, you know, you already talked, Deacon. You already talked to uh, talked about uh, Halone. Uh, maybe, maybe why don't we jump, jump into next week's game since they, um, are on the bill. Uh, so quick uh, rundown of the games on Tuesday, we have Halone at two and two against Ike at three and one. Um, then you have Nizhny Novgorod 
uh, at three and one against Casa de Mont Saragossa at three and one. Uh, in Group F, there is the makeup game from Game Day Four with Kashiaka against Fortitudo. Kashiaka at one and two, Fortitudo at zero oh and three. Uh, Bakken Bears is uh, hosting Galatasaray one and three and one and three both of those teams, and then Chalet uh, taking on uh, Smoky Minsk. Last week we talked to Lassan Cremant about the about that game as well. Um, Chalet at one and two and Smoky Minsk at two and two. Uh, any specific game that really catches your eye on that one? Eichen Halon looks like a really good game. The, the first time they played each other was game day one, and I think it was Ike scored a hundred and Halon ninety six. Um, it was just a, a bloodbath in terms of offenses getting what they want and um, and scoring at a high rate. Um, and I'd expect the same at this time um, at Halon, and the stakes are really high now for Halon, so um, it should be a fascinating watch. There's actually loads of games this week that are huge, um, and uh, to to pick one is almost unfair to so many of the others. Uh, that that Nizni game is going to be really tough. You know, Nizni lost by only three points uh, back in uh, earlier this season in Spain, and they only had eight players. And this Nizni team is is really playing well. Uh, so that's going to be a huge game. You know, that's basically kind of first place in the group. Um, and uh, there's also Galatasaray Bakken. You know, can they, can they, you know, continue their their role after after beating Sassari? You know, can they get in and 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 you know, there's the ten point makeup as far as um, uh, point differential, um, and then even the Cholet Minsk. You know, um, uh, Smoky Minsk had the seven point victory, so can Cholet also get the point differential um, over over Smoky Minsk as well as Ike? So, loads of games Wednesday. Uh, group B has Tofas uh, Bursa at one and two against Karafnos at zero and four. Also in Group B, uh, Nimbrook at three and one and Dijon at three and zero. Uh, Lublin is obviously eliminated at zero and four. They hosting Falco Simpete. They're going to be fighting to stay alive. And the final game is um, Barrow Star Tenerife hosting Sassari uh, Dynamo Sassari. Um, which one you got? Uh, the last one, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching Tenerife and Sassari um, go at it again. The, the first game um, had its dramas and um, Sassari came out on top in that game. Um, and as you mentioned just now, Sassari gave up a 20-point lead against Bakken in the last game. So they need to, um, to get back on track and, and we'll go into the game with confidence. And Tenerife... Um, never like to lose twice to the same team and almost never do. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be a really, really tough game and a very tactical game. Yeah, uh, and I tell you who's going to be really rooting for Tenerife, that's Bucking Bears, especially if they can beat Galatasaray uh, because Bucking then do have the tiebreaker with Sasari. Um, and, uh, and that just makes them things that much more fun. Um, it, it's highly unlikely, but but still, uh, first back and have to beat Galatasaray. Galatasaray at the same point in time are going to be uh, uh, you know trying to you know uh, bring in all their new players and figure out how things are there. So 
Your your remaining either, thoughts on this week's either, games? Yeah, just I was just going to say either way that group goes to the goes to the last game, doesn't it? Because um, if Galatasaray win, then they go into the last game of the season, knowing what they need to do as well to make an uh, what would be an incredible comeback. So. The other game that is interesting is Nimbrook at uh, uh, hosting Dijon. You know, uh, Dijon had the you know uh, had to uh, you know had to make the big comeback uh, to beat uh, Tofas, uh, I believe, right? Yeah, Tofas. And uh, you know, Nimbrook lost by twenty four points uh, in the first game in France. And you know, they're going to want to, of course, they're not going to be able to make that up. But um, you know, just to to get a victory over Dijon, um, and uh, in Dijon they lost. They lost to uh, Chalet in the in the French league, so they're not uh, you know they're not in it's not in, uh, insurmountable. Uh, so um, you know that's going to be that's going to be another battle that's probably going to decide first place. Though I think with the point differential, uh, Nimbrook would need uh, uh, a lot to 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 grab first place. But that's why they play the games. Uh, Deacon, anything else you want to, uh, to say, uh, definitely thanks for coming back, uh, coming back on the show this week. No, just to say thanks for having me back on. Um, and looking forward to, to hearing Igor, uh, get through everything safely in, in Croatia. And, you know, as you said, repeat the best wishes to everyone in Croatia and looking forward to hearing him back on the podcast. Excellent. Um, if you want to follow the show on on Twitter and Instagram, go to at uh, basketballcl is the handle. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, su- subscribe to the YouTube channel. Catch out the highlights, uh, games, performances. Uh, there's the mobile app. You can subscribe to the podcast on your podcast catchers. The email address is info at championsleague.basketball. The website is championsleague.basketball and all of the games are live and on demand on livebasketball.tv. So for Deacon Lloyd-Smith, I'm David Hine. Happy New Year to everyone and we look forward to talking to you next week.